As you may be aware, the, uh, the subject of this evening's uh, message is with regards to, to God's providence, particularly as we see it in uh, the book of Proverbs. Um, so to that end, you might like to, to turn to Proverbs 16 uh, and probably just camp out there a little while uh, whilst I give some further introduction. But Proverbs 16 is where we're headed shortly-ish. Um, even as I mentioned in the, uh, the prayer to, to start with, uh, few things are more astounding to consider than God's providence. Uh, what are God's works of providence? Asked the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which uh, I find myself being uh, quoting all the time, but I love it. Uh, question answer 11. From that, what are God's works of providence? To which the answer comes, God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. Preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions in holiness and wisdom. At risk of repeating myself too many times, all of his creatures and all of their actions. Consider, just as a, uh, an example, all, of the, uh, all that went in to your own salvation story. Uh, and just to use myself as an example, uh, the, the straw that broke this sinner's back, as it were, oh, and to cut many considerations short, uh, I was uh, convicted in my sin uh, by a line or two from a book which my mum had given me. For that to occur, that book had to be written. The authors had to be born. My mum had to find that book. She had to be minded in such a way as that she would have looked for that book and found it appealing to buy. She had to have money to buy the book in simple practicality. Uh, the money to buy that book had to come from employment. I actually had to be disposed to read that book, which in my particular story is probably the most miraculous part of all. Uh, and my particular brand of sin had to be that which was covered in the book so as to be particularly convicting, bringing about that glorious repentance that leads to salvation with no regret that Paul writes to the Corinthians in his second letter about. So all of those uh, considerations, all of those lines of providence and, and many more uh, went in to that act of God bringing this particular sinner to faith in him. And this is one aspect, as I say, with many considerations left out, of one person's life in one part of history whereby God in his powerful preserving and governing drew together thousands, millions, billions of lines of providence in order to bring about a particular outcome. God is doing that, that same thing, not just in salvation, but in all things. He's doing that in a billion different ways, to use a, a drastically inadequate number. He's doing that in a billion different ways now, and now, and now, and we could go on ad nauseum. And so it makes uh, R.C. Sproul's wonderful statement of there not being one maverick molecule a pretty profound concept. 
Not in all of creation anywhere is there anything which is outside of the Lord's providence and his sovereignty being a related concept that we'll address in just a second. Uh, So what does Proverbs have to say about God's providence? Uh, We'll read a few verses, as I said, uh, in a moment. uh, But I have uh, just two points. Uh, Firstly, God's providence beats man's plans. Uh, If I had to use the term from uh, last fortnight, uh, God's providence trumps man's plans. And secondly, chance and luck do not exist. God's providence does. I did think a little bit about how to phrase that second point. I think that's a crude phrasing, but nonetheless, it gets the point across. Chance and luck do not exist. God's providence does. Uh, So turn with me, uh, if you're not already there, to Proverbs chapter 16. Uh, We'll read a few verses uh, from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but Yahweh establishes his steps. Turn over to chapter 19, 21. Proverbs 19, 21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of Yahweh that will stand. And perhaps just over a further page in chapter 20, verse 24. A man's steps are from Yahweh. How then can man understand his way? So as I said, uh, God's providence and his sovereignty uh, are not exactly the same, but they are quite closely related. Uh, providence, as I mentioned before, is God's powerful preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. Uh, God's sovereignty... Uh, is the fact that God is Lord. He is the the supreme authority. Uh, And in the case of God, he has the power to exercise that authority in whatever way or ways he pleases. Uh, As Psalm 115 very pleasingly says, our God is in the heavens, he does all that he pleases. He has both the authority and the power to exercise that authority. If God were not full of power and sovereign, his providence would be, uh, at least in part, void. Uh, For how could God preserve and govern his creatures and their actions if he had not the sovereign power and authority to do so? Uh, And this is the point uh, when we come to man. Man, as the Proverbs say, man plans his way. He makes plans on how his way may be preserved and governed, what he might do with his life. But man lacks the sovereign power and authority in order to enact all of these plans, unless they agree with the plans and decrees of God. But Yahweh establishes his steps. Man plans his way, but Yahweh establishes his steps. And lest we be uh, disheartened, let us remember that all God's plans and, and ways, everything he is and everything he does, is good. So you and I, friends, are puny and powerless, but we live at the mercy of a gracious, good God who is zealous for his people. Uh, in glorious consolation, we could say, of our puniness, we ought to remember uh, earlier on in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6, Uh, to trust in Yahweh with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. God is worthy of our trust. With our whole heart, 
and beckons us to acknowledge, to, to know and to seek to know him. And when we do so, he will make our paths or make straight our paths. And so how good it is to know uh, that the one with sovereign and providential control not only has the same, but is good and is uh, zealous for his people. And so we ought to say, I think, that it is uh, not a bad thing of itself to have plans. Uh, Proverbs 16, 9 and 19, 21 assume that we do have plans. Uh, but we must uh, buffet our plans, holding them with open palms to the Lord, assuming uh, a simple and beautiful trust in him and having a glorious acknowledgement that he is good. And so whatever he brings about will be for our best and his glory anyhow. And with regards to making plans, just to put some meat on it, uh, a few of you uh, may... Uh, may remember that I have uh, commended you, particularly single gentlemen, uh, in the way that you have organised your life and the way that you have made plans in such a way as that you would be able to, in future, uh, provide for a wife and family. Uh, these are good plans. These are good considerations. Uh, and something that makes them particularly endearing to me is the fact that I w did not do such things. Uh, so, again, well done to you. Uh, these are good plans. These are good considerations. But in doing them, and such things as these, uh, the exhortation to you is to hold these things, again, with open palms to the Lord, contenting yourself in him, regardless of if, in this particular example, uh, he should bring about a spouse into your life or otherwise. It is uh, good to make appropriate plans, but we must always be uh, content with the lot that the Lord gives us, regardless of what that might be. Uh, turn, if you will, to James chapter 4. As a, uh, a further and related consideration, uh, these verses ought to uh, cause us not to be arrogant and too decided in our decision-making and plans. Many are the plans, as the Proverbs say in 1921, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of Yahweh that will stand. So keep in mind again that God is good, and we as his people are the recipients of so much of his care and zealousness. And that consideration, hence I asked you to turn to James 4, uh, is very much related to James 4, verses 13 to 15. At that point it says... Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. It goes on from there. Uh, these verses, uh, I don't think necessarily call us to, to actually say if the Lord wills or, or Lord willing, uh, though I myself say it relatively frequently. Uh, but rather, uh, James is calling us, he is exhorting us to not arrogantly assume that all of our plans will be rock solid in their fruition, uh, that exactly as we plan every step of our way is exactly what's going to occur. We plan and we plan well, but if the Lord wills, it will occur. doesn't mean that we plan flippantly necessarily but that we hold up everything humbly to God if he wills it will go ahead it will have fruit 
having such an attitude uh, with an attendant knowledge of God's goodness will give us a, a wonderful peace and protect us from heartache when our plans don't come to fruition. And what wonderful peace there is in having that simple, childlike, beautiful, I think, trust in God. Uh, by way of, of addressing that in anecdote, my, my niece at one time when she was very, very little, probably smaller than our kids, uh, was swimming with her dad and she, she fell to the bottom of the pool. Uh, and I'm, I'm told that as she did so, uh, she simply just extended her hands upwards such that her dad would just you know, reach down and pick her up. Uh, it was almost, as I understand it, as if there was no particular distress in her. She just had this simple trust that her dad would reach down and pick her up. So coming back to us, we don't plan to fall to the bottom of the pool, uh, but we have a posture of outstretched arms to God, trusting in childlike simplicity that he will cause good and right things to fall into our path and that he will be there uh, to save us from such things, to give us the wisdom to go ahead um, should our plans not eventuate, should we fall to the bottom of the pool, to use the metaphor. So that's the first point. Uh, secondly, chance and luck do not exist. God's providence does. And we'll read a few more verses in a second. Uh, but let me encourage you to remove a particular word from your vocabulary uh, and indeed from your thinking, perhaps more importantly, that word being luck. If ever she was alive, Lady Luck is dead, along with her short, stout Irish husband, the leprechaun. Rubbing Buddha's tummy will not bring you good fortune, uh, nor will the optimistic prediction inside a cookie of the same name, fortune cookie, and if your great uncle Barry has won a thousand meat tray raffles, he is not lucky. He has just won a thousand meat tray raffles and good on him. And he has done so in the Lord's providence. But with that particular rant over and those worldly hopes dashed, uh, consider Proverbs 16.3. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your work to Yahweh and your plans will be established. Sorry. Uh, where I meant to read from, was uh, the lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from Yahweh. Forgive me. Uh, not a whole lot is known about the practice of casting lots uh, as we read about it in the Old Testament. Um, but a, a reasonable modern equivalent that would give uh, some meat to what we read when we see about casting lots would be the practice of, of flipping a coin to make a decision. Uh, the lot though appearing to be a mechanism of luck or chance, Proverbs instructs us is actually in the hand of the Lord. And I think that we can make the argument that, in the main, uh, we have no need of lot casting in the New Testament age. Uh, God's completed word, the Bible, uh, the indwelling Holy Spirit, wisdom and prayer ought to be sufficient for every decision. Indeed, as we reflected upon this morning in 2 Timothy 3.16, uh, all scripture is, to skip a bit, sufficient that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. But even if we were to cast the lot or to, to flip a coin, the outcome would be inescapably under God's providence. 
It may not be the way in which he has instructed us to make a decision, uh, but the outcome nonetheless would be under his sovereign control in his providence. If there is not one maverick molecule, uh, then there is no room for anything being outside of God's control. Uh, Certainly not the, the flipping of a coin to reach a heads or tails decision. And if there is meaning uh, both to the past and also to the future, with all the future being known to God and planned by him, then there is no room for luck or chance as we often consider them. Rather, consider the far more wholesome, as I draw to a close, uh, consider the far more wholesome peace and life-giving notion that God's providence lies over everything and he is zealous for his people. Commit your work to Yahweh and your plans will be established. Luck is nothing. Lady Luck is dead. Rather, the intentional, powerful and good handiwork of our God is everything. So as we turn now to a a time of corporate prayer, not just me praying, but uh, anybody who would like to, uh, taking taking a turn to pray, I have uh, three points, but... Um, As usual, pray as you feel led also. Uh, The three points are this. That we would have a a simple and childlike faith in God. I think to have such a thing uh, in light of God's providence ought to be easy, uh, but nonetheless is often not. Uh, To have a simple and childlike faith in God. Secondly, uh, that we would commit our ways and plans to God. And thirdly, to hold our plans with open palms to God. So to have a simple and childlike faith, to commit our plans to God and to hold our plans with open palms to God. I'll start and then feel free to jump in. We'll pray for sort of 10 or 15 minutes or so. Thank you, Lord, for your providence over all things. Thank you that you, as we've reflected, are zealous for your people, that you love your people. Thank you that you are good and that you have all sovereign authority and power in order to enact your providential plans. Please, God, help us to uh, be humble before you. Help us to have the kind of uh, simple childlike faith that, uh, the, uh, that my niece had as she fell to the bottom of the pool, uh, extending her hands out to her father, Lord. Uh, Such, Lord, that we would uh, entrust ourselves wholly to you, uh, whether you bring about circumstances of ease or difficulty or or somewhere in the middle, Lord. Help us always to look to you uh, and to trust in you. Lord, help us to spend uh, appropriate time meditating on the wonder of your providence, Lord. Uh, Truly, it is a a wonderful and amazing concept. And so I pray that you would uh, give us such a mind and a heart as to consider these things and uh, to bow before you in worship. Lord, I pray it in your name.